This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I have with me Michael Daly and David Donaldson of the Atlanta Healing Center, and we're going to talk about stress and alcohol. Mm -hmm. So welcome. Thank you. I know we're all stressed. (laughs) (laughs) Traffic in Atlanta. Traffic in Atlanta. We have a new stress in addition to the usual crazy traffic in Atlanta. We also now have the collapse of the bridge at uh, I-85 downtown connector. And wow, has that ever made our job getting here even more difficult than usual. It's made the, the stress outside of the perimeter so much more intense with everybody having to use the perimeter to get around. Um, so the stress just for today has gotten us all very aware of this topic. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you combine the meltdown at at the Atlanta airport, where I spent the last four days trying to deal with the stress there, and very much aware of the use of alcohol on the part of hopefully just the patrons, not the staff, <laughs> Um, in terms of trying to deal with the flight delays and the cancellations and the difficulties in people trying to travel when a, the largest airport in the world shuts down. And I understand that they're making it much easier to buy alcohol in some of these airports. Much easier. Uh, there were a couple of airports that I ended up in that shall remain na- nameless at this point, but there are these little devices that are about the size of a small tablet that you can order your alcohol immediately, that you don't have to wait for the wait staff to come. You can pick from their menu, send it, they deliver it to you, and you can pay for it and reorder again very, very quickly with little to no interaction with an actual human. So it's, <laughs> it's getting easier and easier. But one of the things that we do know is that there's a strong relationship between increased use of alcohol when people are under stress and the other part of that is the increased risk of relapse when someone who is in recovery is faced with a stressful situation. So I thought we would start a little bit about that and talk about, in general, some of the types of stress that people might be involved with and the way in which alcohol becomes, at least in the beginning, a short-term fix. I, when, we, when we first started talking about the discussion for today, the, the piece that was really the catalyst for me was how much more difficult it is for people in early recovery to um, avoid alcohol. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it used to be that alcohol was sold at liquor stores and sold at specific restaurants after a certain time. Um, the only alcohol available in stores was, was um, beer and wine, and that was limited in hours. And so it was a, a bit easier for people to avoid <coughs> um, And... Uh, the stress levels may have been different at that point, but we know that this that that with all the stress that people are under at this point, with the ease of alcohol as something for them to turn to, it's it's just a, a perfect storm, a disaster that's waiting to happen. 
<laughs> right. In the olden days, you used to have to go to um, at least where I grew up out west, you had to go to a state-owned package store that mm-hmm. was only open Monday through Friday and only during a very limited hours. So it was not available at restaurants. It was not available at grocery stores or gas stations or pharmacies the way it is today. It was very, well, I wouldn't say very difficult, but it was certainly much more of a thought-out process and a planned process. It wasn't an impulse opportunity that you're checking out at a pharmacy and here are the little individual glasses of wine pre-packaged on sale this week that right there and then, as you're trying to get your prescriptions, you have an opportunity to also purchase alcohol much more impulsive way, much more readily available. But And so many different events now are, are opportunities for drinking that once upon a time would not have been. Um, I think about bridge parties, and I think about Bible studies, and I think about baby showers, and, and not and that long birthdays. ago, and kids' birthdays, first-year birthdays. Not that long ago, you would not have thought that those would be drinking events. Yeah, you would think that alcohol. they would have been safe for a person in recovery to start uh, utilizing those type of, of social outlets as reintroducing them to fun things that they could do without alcohol. But now, alcohol is pervasive everywhere. And Yes, and in talking with folks about where are some of the surprising places that you are experiencing or coming in contact with alcohol, Hearing people talk about Bible study groups, that just completely blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, very common, Mm -hmm. I understand these days, in some churches, not all, but that it is certainly much more acceptable. It seems to be a much more relaxed atmosphere around alcohol. And when we talk to patients about their alcohol use history, I'm always asking people, when, what was your first exposure? How old were you? What do you remember from that? It's amazing that, oh, my parents let me have a, a sip. My parents, you know, we had a family event and everybody got a glass of wine. That it's, it's much more common these days for people to not really register or think about the dangers of alcohol and the way in which alcohol is, as you said, David, a moment ago, just a part of almost everything. Very, very unusual places and situations are now commonly involved Opportunities in for drink. Mm-hmm. Go to a movie now. Many of the um, theaters. theaters sell alcohol. So a lot of the activities that used to be relatively safe for our folks in early recovery now put them in um, a challenge. Not always bad to learn how to deal with that, but certainly unexpected and people have to be more on guard because it's showing up everywhere and much more readily and easily available. It used to be that that for women in particular who are wine drinkers, um, we would have to talk to them about avoiding a particular aisle at a grocery store. Um, and if they weren't able to do that, well, we could say, you have somebody else do the main shopping and get what you need to get at 
um, at a drugstore because there won't be alcohol there. Now there's bottles of alcohol on the checkout stand at at pretty much any place you go to. Mm-hmm. So there's for for people in early recovery, there's not a, a place where you really have a respite. Um, unless you can create that one place really in your own home, which is what we really, really push, that, that you really decide this is going to be a sacred place that I can have some some place to let my guard down and relax and escape for a little bit in a healthy way. Well, and a lot of people talk about, you know, going into a convenience store where at one point, you know, it was mainly for gas and maybe a soda or whatever, but now they have... Um, the latest little craze of whatever, you know, alcoholic beverages right there at the cash register. You know, have yourself a little four loco or, you know, whatever it is. It's it's But don't drink and drive. No. <laughs> but don't drink and drive. You had to drive to get here. You're gonna have to drive to leave. So we've got the ease, we've got the greater acceptance of alcohol in a variety of situations. And we have I think a lot more use of alcohol in times of stress. Now, all of us have stress, no doubt. We have illnesses, we have injuries, we have marriages, we have divorces, we have new babies born, we have um, all of these um, these kinds of stress. Mm-hmm. Now, not all of them are bad. Right. We often think that stress has to be a negative thing, that it has to be a death. But sometimes a birth is very stressful. Sometimes a divorce is stressful, but also a marriage can be stressful. There, It doesn't seem to matter whether it's a positive and look forward to experience as much as it is an experience that causes you to do things differently than you would normally do. Mm-hmm. Even holidays, right? lots of stress around those. We're eating differently. We may be staying up later. We may be going to parties. We may be involved in activities that we're eating different foods and we're encountering people that we might not normally encounter. Again, not necessarily a negative thing, but it's causing us, our, our bodies, causing us emotionally spiritually, physically, in all ways, to do things differently. And that really is the definition of stress. When we have to do things outside of our normal routine, when we have occurrences in our lives that we have to adapt to, that's what causes stress. And that's what our hormone cortisol is all about, is to help us adapt to those kinds of things. But one of the ways that people tend to nowadays adapt to these kinds of situations is to use alcohol. <laughs> it's so interesting that you you phrase the definition of stress in that, that way um, when you have to do things differently because I think of just the amount of stress that I experience now just if I have to have a telephone conversation with somebody that about a bill or about changing a, an, an order or something when I can't just log onto the computer and make the change online or I can't just do it on my phone and make it without actual human to human contact there's a certain level of stress that comes up that I put it off I avoid it and then finally have to use healthy skills and walk through and do whatever it is but just because it's become so easy to not have to have human communication to mm-hmm. deal with um, everyday business activities, 
when you have to, it's a stressful event. And you've lived most of your life without the aid of the electronic interface. Mm-hmm. When so I and so you have those healthy coping skills. skills. You might not like to do it. You might avoid doing it. But at the end of the day, you know how. We have a whole generation growing up that their interface has literally been electronic, Mm -hmm. and they don't have those coping skills. So things that may sound kind of silly to some people are really quite frightening to many of our patients. They really don't know how to go in and interview for a job. They really don't know how to call and make a request or deal with um, a legal situation. How do you how do you buy a house? How do you apply for a marriage license? They they become very anxious, very stressed with these kinds of pretty ordinary situations that most people have to deal with because they don't have that skill set and they haven't had those opportunities early on. So we've talked a little bit about general life stressors. There are also a lot of catastrophic events that affect a large number of people. We think about 9-11. We think about hurricanes. We think about some of these natural and man-made disasters that have a a large impact on a lot of people. When we're going to come back, we're going to talk about how alcohol plays a role in this. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www. 
www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction, and I'm Dr. Susan Blank. Today I have David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center. We're talking about stress and alcohol, and we're on America's Web Radio. Right before the break, we started to talk about some of the more catastrophic events that we have seen that have affected our nation and our world. And one of the things that has been studied pretty clearly is the effects on alcohol use over the year, the next year after one of these natural or man-made disasters. And we see clearly alcohol use goes up significantly in the year following one of these events. It seems to taper off, but what they haven't really drilled down to, and I think would be very interesting, is to see what kind of relapse rates are we seeing among people with substance use disorders, and then also how many of those folks with addiction, that natural or man-made disaster has now created the, the switch when someone moves from problem drinking into drinking in an alcoholic or an addictive way. That Those studies have yet to be done, but clearly many people after these disasters have um, increased use of alcohol. It's one way people, people cope. cope. And it creates a lot of difficulty. Another way in which we see stress affecting the use of alcohol is childhood stress. And there's a lot in the literature right now, there's a lot in the treatment field that is being discussed in terms of trauma and addiction. That childhood trauma, whether that's physical, sexual, emotional abuse, whether that's neglect, whether that's chronic illness, whether that's the effects of divorce or witnessing violence, these kinds of events can have a, a significant effect on somebody. And in fact, because children and adolescents have limited coping skills anyway, their tendency is going to be to look for something that causes the immediate change, that mm-hmm. changes how they feel. And often serendipitously, they find that alcohol is that thing, and they either become uh, using alcohol as their drug of choice as a response to trying to cope with the stress or the memories of these stresses, or it leads them uh, to find another drug that they prefer. But alcohol is almost always in the mix for uh, young people who have had these kinds of traumas. Well, and in adolescent, when when you're trying to figure out your place in in the the social, you know, of of a school, it's it's like if you're not going to be with the popular kids or you're not going to be with the jocks, the the kind of potheads are always there, and they're just a group of misfits, sort of, and anyone can fit into that group. So it seems like a lot of people just automatically go that route. That the tribe that they find when they're when they're 
dealing with feeling out of their, or they're having issues at home often is the tribe that's already begun using some sort of chemical right. to change their feelings. Mm-hmm. And this happens, too, with young people whose families, for whatever reason, have to move frequently, and they're required to change schools. The older you are when you have to make these adjustments, the more difficult you may find fitting it in to be to find friends, to fit in, to to have a tribe. And the one group that is most likely to accept you is the group that is doing drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that becomes an unfortunate gateway too for for young people. The other the other one that we see regularly is the the attitude towards medicating their feelings in the house they grew up in. If, if every afternoon the father came home and he was stressed out and his first thing was get me a beer and he sits down and puts his feet up and starts drinking a beer, what's being role modeled for the family system is at the end of the day when you're stressed out, you, you numb out. Um, and when that's being done with food or when it's being done with the kid is, is running around and trying to get his energy out and he gets thrown on medications to, to stop him running around getting his energy out, he's taking on that message. When you need to change your feelings or you need to change your behaviors, you have to take a pill. And they model that behavior and that becomes the norm. That becomes the expectation. Um, this week alone, I've had three calls from mothers of between 25 and 29-year-olds that on all three calls, they've said, I don't understand it. My my son or my daughter um, can't cope with any kind of stressors. It's an immediate relapse or use or, uh, you know, binge. And, and these people, you know, they're just amazed at, at their kids who are, you know, really young adults, um, that they have no coping skills. They have no ability to go through a problematic situation without the use of drugs. There are some theories um, about people who have the genetic propensity towards having addiction that they actually are more sensitive to stress. They are more likely to have that cortisol or adrenaline hormone released than other people experiencing the same kind of situation. That part of the disease of addiction is this difficulty managing stress from an early age and that it's more physiologic than um, than otherwise. So we do see this. We see this tendency towards difficulty managing stress and also the default mode, which is let me find a, a chemical, let me find a behavior that will make me feel better immediately because I can't, I can't stand this feeling of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So some of that is genetic, some of that is learned behavior, some of that is personality style, some of that is overwhelming experiences um, early on for which they had no skills to be able to deal with it, and they have not been able to pick up those skills as they would grow and mature because the use of alcohol or other drugs has stunted that. Why? Why? 
Yeah, why, why would you find a coping skill? You already got one, and it's right here in this bottle. <laughs> and what we know is if it, if the coping if the chemical is incredibly fast at changing the way you feel, then it has a very high addictive potential. So we know that that you know if one beer helps me relax, if I take a beer plus a shot, I'm going to change my mood really quickly. And and that's what the addicts will do. They will be seeking the the mood change or the stress reduction mm-hmm. um, when they're going into that, and and it's often viewed as as their weakness or they have poor moral character when that's going on. But what we know is that that chemically they're having um, a reaction that they've learned. This is how you stop that reaction, and this is how I change how I feel. All <coughs> you have to do is go on the internet and just um, search on. Uh, kids drinking or young adults drinking or adolescents drinking and you will see that they have discovered a number of very efficient effective ways of consuming large amounts of alcohol in a very rapid period of time right their goal is not to savor the wine and enjoy a good meal their goal is to get intoxicated as, as quickly. quickly as possible. And I think of the the beer bongs where they put the funnel down their throat and they're pouring alcohol in as fast as they can get it. And mm-hmm. the multitude of other orifices that they um, will use as a conduit for alcohol. Enough said probably on that. <laughs> Quick absorption. Quick absorption through mucous membranes and other... Um, <laughs> Um, other ways in which um, they have learned, because you're right, they're not they're not willing to wait around. They want the quickest possible effect, the shortest amount of time. But our whole society has gotten to that mm-hmm. to that everything is instantaneous. I mean, you know, with the internet and with your your device or whatever. You can learn whatever you want about whatever it is that you can imagine mm-hmm. just by looking on the web. Um, when when we were growing up, you know, if you wanted to learn about something, you had to go somewhere to a library, open the books, learn, you know, look it up, look it up and <laughs> and that whole kind of ritual for that. Whereas now, every single thing happens so quickly that you might as well get a buzz quickly. And that is the expectation, and that is often the goal. And when people are stressed, when they're not feeling comfortable, when they're not coping, when they're feeling anxious, alcohol becomes a very quick, effective, but unfortunately a short-lived... Coping. Coping. But and part part of what the studies are showing is that when alcohol is used as the stress stopper, um, it l- actually lowers your stress tolerance. Right. And and so, um, looking at it over long term, you have your stress, you have your alcohol. The stress is stopped, and then less stress requires a drink, and then less stress requires a drink. So even if we're not looking at the progressive nature of the disease of alcoholism itself. Just looking at it as a stress management tool, it's it's very, very ineffective for, for long-term stress management. Even though in the short run it seems to be extremely effective. Um, I, I was going to add here that, that I'm very surprised at how many... 
companies or places of employment um, have brought alcohol back into the mix. I mean, I've heard of so many people that their office, you know, at at five o'clock turns into like a, a little uh, happy hour right there at the office where they have cocktails or beer or they sit around and they they kind of socialize, and that's occurring. Also, you know, like big parties. It for a while, companies had kind of gotten away from that because the liability seemed to be there, but. There's this new generation that that is bringing alcohol back into the workplace, mm-hmm. and I think that's a that's kind of a interesting trend that's happening, and people don't realize what that leads to. Again, back to the idea of alcohol showing up in places that we, at least for <laughs> a few years, had not expected it, which was in the workplace. Mm-hmm. We just we didn't expect that. And so if you've had a stressful day, if you've had a bad phone call, if your deal didn't go through, if your boss was mad at you, the the learning curve is um, pretty rapid that I feel bad, I feel stressed, I feel anxious, or I need to celebrate, mm-hmm. and alcohol is here to help me help me through that. Well, and it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a team building, if you will. <laughs> I'm using sort of air quotes, but... Um, if there is a bad thing going on at the workplace and the boss is angry about something, at 5 o'clock you can become buddies again and, and drink. And that'll and, be okay. And things get better. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about stress and alcohol. Thanks for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction, and I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is America's Web Radio. Today, David Donaldson and Michael Daly and myself are talking about stress and alcohol. And we just um, were talking during the break about the daily barrage of very stressful, scary situations that are happening around the world. That turning on the TV, getting a 
bulletin from your your phone listening to the radio, you're going to hear about very traumatic, stressful events that are shocking and scary and cause us all to feel a little bit of stress or a lot of stress or, as you mentioned, David, you start to feel numb. You just start to expect it and not react. And 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 move on with life. And shut down. Unfortunately, when we shut down like that, the difficulty is is that it's not just a one spigot tap that we're turning off. We're not just turning off the hot water that's going to burn us. We're turning off the cold water, too. If we shut down our emotions in terms of sadness and grief and shock and fear, we also shut down our ability to have joy and peace and pleasure in life. So as much as we hate it when we have to be exposed to stressful and um, traumatic events, we also need to stay with that and get through it in order to be able to experience the other parts of of life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, um, we all will very much suffer. So stress is um, it, it's a it's a tough tough thing, and unfortunately, most of the time we're not prepared for that next thing that's going to really push our buttons and um, and make us upset. And as I was saying earlier, with the internet, we're hearing about immediate stressors from all over the world, all over the globe. It's not like when we were watching the nightly news and it was our little that one area hour or that uh-huh. one 30 minutes right and part of what's so difficult i think about helping people learn stress management is that everything that you're teaching with stress management takes time you know we'll we'll talk about go do some yoga or we'll talk about taking a walk or do some breathing exercises and all of these things are things that a person has to commit to doing on a regular basis and they have to commit to giving it some time and what their brain is used to is instantaneously being able to change and so if if they're in a situation where they're being they're under stress in particular at the airport if they're under stress already they have to make this flight they've got all their bags packed they've got pressures of getting to the other end of wherever they're going and they sit down and the first thing they see is here order a drink their thought is okay i can sit here and do breathing exercises and i can call my sponsor and i can do these nice healthy things or i can just push this button (laughs) and order a drink (laughs) and order a drink and the drink will be right here before i even get that phone number dialed to my sponsor you know so it's it's that that's the difficult world that people are trying to get sober in now today that's that's really vastly different it used to be when they go to the airport you would have to go into a bar or you'd have to go into a a club and it usually was was a ways from your gate if you were really lucky you got a gate right across from the bar Mm -hmm. so that you could just sit there and time it just perfectly but there was also a culture of if you're having stress you can pick up the phone and you can say Hey, I'm I'm having some struggles. I need a friend of Bill W. And somebody would come and talk to you. Um, there's not phones to pick right, up at an airport anymore. You have your cell phone. The white paging phone. Can't do it. Very very difficult. 
And we we know that from studies that the more stressed a person is, the more they report stress in their life, the more likely they are to be using alcohol to cope. We know from some very interesting neuroimaging studies that were done at Yale University that women in particular are more likely to seek out their drug of choice or to seek out alcohol if they are in a stressful emotional situation. Now, in general, we see more men with the diagnosis of alcohol addiction, but that is rapidly changing. Mm -hmm. And when we look at younger women, the 18 to 25-year-olds, they are using alcohol as much, if not more, than men that same age. So this theory that we used to have, that it was men who were alcoholics, it was men who were under stress, it was men who who drank to cope, we were seeing that that is not holding true as more and more young women are seeking out and using alcohol, particularly to, um, to cope with stress, a bad, bad thing. And it is, um, it is very common for us to see Folks in the military, both in active duty as well as um, veterans coming home that have been exposed to a culture of alcohol, but then also have been exposed to very Very stressful, catastrophic, overwhelming events in their life, either that have happened to them directly or that they have witnessed their... um, their friends, their colleagues, their peers um, involved in horrible ways to die, horrible interactions that have caused injury and and trauma. Well, and there's so it's it's double the trauma because they they witnessed it, right? And then these same people are walking around going, "Why didn't I? You know, why wasn't I, that? Could have been me, and it wasn't." And there's guilt about that. There's, it's, it's so multifaceted. And it's very hard to know who the enemy is. And this is another problem that I think is inherent in our military personnel that have been deployed is the fact that they aren't wearing uniforms and carrying banners and flags and you don't know where their encampment is it could be the child it could be the pregnant woman it could be anybody Mm -hmm. and to live with that constant level of fear that constant high anxiety high alertness when it is time for them to take break when it is time for them to go to sleep they can't (laughs) and so alcohol becomes their um their, their way of coping, and it creates a lot of difficulty for them. The military is doing a lot of work in trying to help and in trying to provide um, assistance very quickly, but it is a natural response, and unfortunately, uh, a, a lot of um, lives are impacted by the use of alcohol in relationship to str- stress. We'll have to, we'll have to talk about that. Um, well, and I think part of what's adding to that, 
you know, we've gone through the Iraqi war and we've gone through the Afghanistan war and all of the different things that are happening in the Middle East, when you see now things beginning to happen in, in Syria, there's th not only the stress of the moment, but then there's this anticipatory, okay, now what's going to happen? retaliation? How is Israel going to respond? How is Iran going to respond? And there's this ever-present fear of we're about to have World War III going on starting in the Middle East, and, and the idea of I might as well drink because why not? Mm -hmm. is is really pretty prevalent. Even even if you don't have military, if you've just been living through this time and watching this for so long, that there's a, there is a sense of I need marijuana or I need something to be able to manage the amount of stress that this is creating. The, the, the stress is is real. Right. I mean, I think that's what we have to emphasize is the stress is real, but so is the disease of addiction. And and. If you don't find other ways to manage the disease of addiction, it's going to take you out before the stress will. And that's a very important point, David, because we now have at least some medications that can help people who have cravings for alcohol or for tobacco or for opiates. We have medications that can help with detoxification. We have medications that can help with people help people stay sober, stay in recovery. But if people are under the impression that that's all they have to do is take another pill and I'll be okay, they're missing the point that that treatment is about learning those coping skills. Treatment is about engaging the part of the brain that allows you to anticipate the stress, be aware of it happening more quickly and getting out of it faster, mm -hmm. um, and to have the ability to have a support network of people who understand, who are available, who are willing to be there for you when you're having either a personal or a catastrophic event. These are the things that you really have to learn, and so many people want to shortcut that and not recognize the, the fact that you have to learn how to cope with the stress in a way that does not involve chemicals or behaviors that are addictive and destructive, and, and, and it is a process. And there are going to be some slips, and there may even be some relapses along the way. But the work needs to be done. And most of it, if you li are listening in a meeting or attending um, a treatment program, they're not talking about alcohol. They're talking about relationships and coping with work and coping with your families and coping with your illness. And traffic and parties and weddings and how do you deal because that really is um, the way in which you're going to be most safe and most likely to stay in recovery is by learning to cope with that stress. Right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll let David finish that thought. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative 
of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and today Michael Daly and David Donaldson and I are talking about stress and alcohol. And we've acknowledged that we live in very, very stressful times and that most of the stress that we experience, we're so used to it, we don't even recognize that it's caused stress. But um, there is some solution, and that is... um, in getting the disease of addiction under control and being aware of stress and learning about coping. And I interrupted you right before the break, David. I was I was just actually kind of coming off of what you were talking about in terms of what people at recovery meetings, at 12-step meetings, at smart recovery meetings, at all those places are learning is how to manage stress. And, and the thing that it really struck to me as was when you're working with somebody and you're not so sure if they're interested in recovery or if they're just there to um, appease appease somebody (laughs) and you start encouraging them to go to some sort of support group whether it's AA or NA or Smart Recovery or one of the others um, pretty much if they want recovery they'll come back and they'll talk about how much they learned in terms of managing stress and coping with stress and dealing with meeting friends and having social life as opposed to if they're just trying to appease they're going to say all they ever talk about is alcohol. Uh, right. <laughs> you only ever hear them talking about drugs. Um, and it's uh, when they're there, that's all their brain is hearing. Their brain is not hearing the solution, solution. <laughs> as opposed to the person who's ready to find solution. And that's a person that um, really needs more time, more help, more treatment. And when you are working on an individualized treatment program, as opposed to, we have a program and you're all going to fit into this box, 
that's going to get missed. People are going to get courtesy passed. They're going to get their certificate of attendance. Mm-hmm. They're not going to necessarily get what they need, which is, and I said necessarily because a lot of people will do fine in that situation, but people progress in their recovery and at their own time. And if someone is missing it, if someone is not understanding the disease or the solution, they they need to continue in a more intensive program. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard for people. That's really hard for the individual. It's hard for their family and friends. But individualized treatment really has to be a big part of making sure that people truly have learned about the disease and learned about the importance of the coping. Well, and I think that's also part of the change that, that you can help family members learn to listen for um, because when family members come in and they say, well, my, ch- my son says that they only ever talk about alcohol over there and I, why would I want him going there? What you're able to educate them with is that that is because your son is still just trying to appease you and he's not moved into I need recovery yet and help them to understand that that's why he needs to continue um, being a part of the program. One of the things I think is really important is recognizing um, that alcohol affects older adults. We spend a lot of time (laughs) thinking about and focused on adolescents, young adults, um, and, and even children. But one of the interesting things is the bimodal populations that we treat. We do treat a lot of young adults 18 to 30 somethings. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, this is their first treatment. Some of them, it's their they've, fifth. they've been to a couple of rodeos. But we also then see the 50 somethings uh, who are coming in for treatment. And many of these folks are people that have been able to drink in a way that hasn't had a significant impact on their life for many years. So they've functioned. So they've functioned, exactly. And yet, as they age, there are a number of things that begin to happen. First of all, they have other medical problems, so they're put on other medications, and this is going to impact their way that their body metabolizes alcohol. They're going to have medical problems that may impact the way that their body metabolizes alcohol and the effects of alcohol. And they are also going to tolerate alcohol just by itself less. So the three or four drinks that they could drink in their 40s, now in their 50s and 60s, their body cannot tolerate that anymore. So even though they have not to any outward appearance increased their use of alcohol, they have, in fact, increased their use of alcohol because of the increased effect. And inherent in this group is also a lot of stressors. Now they've retired. Retirement is a huge effect on very busy people who now suddenly are looking for what's my purpose in life, what am I going to do? Alcohol becomes the easy fill-in. Right. And more and more people are worried about finances. I mean, yes. you know, when, when people of a certain age retired, you know, several years ago, 
they had a retirement plan. They worked at the same company, and you worked as many years as you needed to to get to a certain point where you could retire and and know that your pension was going to be Mm -hmm. X number of dollars. That's not happening these days. And there's so many people that, um, you know, the lack of maybe health insurance or the cost of health insurance or the cost of living has just made their lives much more stressful. And the stress of being a part of what's called the sandwich generation, where they're having to financially help out their parents, where they're having to help manage their parents' medical situation. At the same time, the kids that they thought were graduated from college and were going on with things are moving back into their house, and they're exhibiting. Um, they're back into that role of, of feeding and providing a bed and everything for for their kids, and they start to get stressed out. They question whether they did something wrong. Um, and as you were saying, with their bodies changing, many of them will begin having sleep issues because of all those other changes, and they will think, well, a glass of wine will help me sleep. Real, a lot of our patients, is exactly where it starts. They use a glass of wine to help them sleep, and then eventually they're having to wake up and have another glass of wine to go back to sleep, and it just escalates. Well, and I, I saw in some of um, the literature that... There's 40% of people over 65 that use alcohol. Mm-hmm. That's pretty astounding when you think about it. Yeah, that's a lot That's a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of alcohol. And that's a lot of vulnerable people who are also experiencing the stress of death of their friends, potentially death of their spouse, their own illnesses or injuries that are now limiting their mobility. And that hurt more. And that hurt more. Um, there, is a, there is a lot of stress and there's a lot of risk. And I've even heard people say, well, they're old, just let them drink. Well, no. <laughs> they, they also need some help and they need some coping strategies. The coping strategies that they may need Uh, may be very different than what a young person needs. But part of the recovery plan, depending on your age and your state in life, uh, may may be different. And so having that individualized treatment plan and the focus on learning how to deal with your own reality is very, very important. And and recovery is possible regardless of your age and regardless of your life situation. It is very possible, and people can live very happy, productive lives. Absolutely. Especially when, when if you can help them view it as opening up a new chapter mm-hmm. where they're, they're meeting new people and exploring new things in life, not just as a retirement but as a, as a sober person. Um, and bringing new reasons to enjoy living a long-lasting life. So it's never too late, and recovery is possible. Learning to cope with stress is also possible. Not necessarily easy, but possible. We thank you all for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week on Detailing Addiction. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, 
You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web Radio. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Obamacare is failing, but in order to get back on the right track with health policy, people need to be informed. Obamacarewatch.org is your resource to understand what's happening with this law and what you can do to stay active, stay informed, and make positive change happen. Obamacarewatch.org. Visit us now. It's that time of year again. If you suffer from itchy eyes, sneezing, a constant runny nose, sinus headaches, or an increase in asthma symptoms, and you're tired of using allergy medicine, maybe it's time to stop putting a Band-Aid on the problem. Peachtree ENT Center believes in treating the problem instead of masking the symptom. We are pleased to offer an innovative alternative that can free you from this routine. Sublingual immunotherapy is a safe, easy, and effective way to treat allergies to food and environmental allergens for you and your family. Imagine placing drops under your tongue to treat allergies. No shots, no office visits with time off from work, and freedom from needing daily allergy medication. Just think, next year, you can actually enjoy being outdoors. About an hour of your time is all it takes to change the quality of your life. Remember, Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.